We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. wanted to make a movie about Manchester United's title challenge. Unfortunately, Quibi shut down. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, the black man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. For those of you who don't know, Quibi was a short-lived uh, video streaming platform for very, very short-form videos. And uh, that is the kind of platform you would have needed for Manchester United's fabled title challenge, which goes plop as once again, Patty Vieira. Patrick Vieira takes a bite out of Manchester United. And Casemiro. Faced with the prospects of potentially having to be humiliated by the Arsenal midfield on national and global television, decides to get himself a yellow card that sees him banned from that game. Lots of good stuff we could talk about tactically and in the matchup coming up, but there's transfer news, and so of course we're going to lead with that. But I will leave the trissard of it all to after the introductions, and here with me now is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hold pause. Woohoo! And you can find him on Twitter at Stillmanator. It's Tim. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> it's not going to get the better of me anymore. And last but not least, Clive. You can find him on Twitter, Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. I think that was Glive PAFC. Hello, Glive is what I went with there. I think there was a bit of a glottal sound involved there. <laughs> um, I will let you know that SCAC is back. That's over on the Patreon. And Clive and I did a rewatch video of the Derby. I would recommend it. Um, you know, if you want to dim the lights... If it's pants around the ankle stuff for you, that's, hey, to each their own. But I would definitely recommend it. We also talked about the rice rumors. Not like not like whether you should use soy sauce with it. I'm talking about the player rice, not the food rice, which is also nice. Uh, my three-year-old loves rice. Anytime we order sushi and it comes on top of that little pad of rice, she runs up to the table and steals the rice out from under our sushi. Uh, it's really bizarre. Um, it's like the underpants gnomes. Uh, anyway... Okay, it's off to a flyer, as usual. Clive, rescue me. Leandro Trossard. Uh, uh, once upon a time, I'm sure we would be having the most uh, tedious and pedantic argument about whether he's 28 or 27, because you know, he just turned 28. We're not going to do that. We might do that. What do you think the impact Trossard uh, will have against United on Sunday? So, if we sign him, because this is um, this is Arsenal Football Club, mm-hmm. and and life life can change in one single tweet from one single good the correct person, right? So um, hashtag life comes at you fast. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so it's interesting to see the reaction. Reaction has been up and down, right? Depending on who you follow, etc. In your own world, but I think it's quite an interesting one. I think for us as Arsenal fans, if we were, if we were signing some kid from Brazil that was look really exotic and look good on YouTube. We'd be more excited about that. There's something about us that sometimes I think we, we want to do it hard when we don't actually have to. We can just maybe sign an international footballer that's quite technical, that can score with both feet and and does score with both feet and is very calm and composed in the area of the pitch where we're spending more time. And I'm looking at 
where I'm trying to project forward to when the pressure starts to hit. And what I'm looking for is certainty of technique around the box. I'm really looking for that. I think it's very important that we have that calmness, that coolness, that composure. And he has that. So, yeah, we can just get somebody maybe that potentially makes us better right away. If he puts on a tracksuit and he's playing on Sunday, I know a lot of this here, we are better for it. Right? So I think it's a smart pivot, if it is a pivot. Um, I know from previous uh, times we were looking at him before he went from Genk to uh, Brighton. And I remember that because I remember scaring him then and just thought he was one of a number of wide players. But yeah, he, he looks quite interesting to me. And, and I'm I'm always open and cool to it. But I will say, he can score, mate. And scoring goals is a good thing. You know, he can score. He knows what to do. Yeah, I mean, I I have always said, and I realize that sort of tactically sometimes I, I've been a little ahead of the curve that uh, if Arsenal can score a lot of goals, we're going to be better at football. So I support that conclusion. Um, I think it, I, I don't think it's also a bad thing that he's coming from a system. You know, he hasn't played much for Deserby, but but he played for Potter, where it was possession based, pressing based. You know, his technique, technical level was really important to the way they wanted to play. Um, there had been no attitude issues with this player prior to this last little blow up, and and if you read. There's very, very, very bad reporting on wages in football, but he's reportedly on around 42,000 pounds a week. You could give him a three plus one deal. You could double his wage, literally double it, and not have the slightest issue with that, right? This isn't putting a 32-year-old Aubameyang on 300 grand a week. This is putting a 28, a just-gone 28-year-old Premier League experienced player on 85 for three or four years. And it's not a project signing. It's not the future of the position. But I don't know if you've noticed, we have the future of the position. Um, the other thing is, and I, I think, I believe in discipline with transfers until you can win the title. And anything you do that wins you the title, I mean, unless it completely you know wrecks y- your group, is worth doing. He can hit the ground running right away. I mean, Tim, whether you think Mudrick is the next Messi or you think Mudrick is you know, the next... I don't know, social media superstar, whatever you think the guy is. Um, I think the idea that he was going to come in and immediately make a dramatic impact for us, understand how to play our football, be fit and ready to play right away. Like, I think that was a long shot. Troussard, in theory, can give you 20 minutes on Sunday if he was signed on Saturday and it'd be no skin off his back. Um, You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily what we need, but I think it's entirely possible. So in terms of the short termism of this versus the longer term project, how do you evaluate whether this is sensible or not? Yeah, I, I think we've done enough good work to be able to to be able to do something like this. And look, under Arteta and Edu, we've we've shown before that we will make expedient signings, that we will we will pivot when needed, like Douglas Louise, that was a pivot, it didn't happen, but it was a pivot. Even like someone like David Louise, which in isolation was not a bad signing. We needed someone there. And it was one of those, we can't get to you just yet. So we'll just sign David Louise for a couple of years. Not absolutely ideal, but okay, did a job. And then we got Ben White and it was goodbye, David Louise. The the problem in the time of David Louise was, was that we had too many other players like that. If if we were talking two years ago in the Abamyang, Lacazette, Urzil, Mikatarian era, era, no, you do not make a signing like that. But we're not. We're talking in the era of we've got a good group of forwards. I like all of our forwards, and they're all under twenty five years old. And it's this isn't like the Thomas Party signing or the Gabriel Jesus signing where you're going. This guy has to be the one like the one who is going to hold this position for at least the next four or five years. That That's not really what we're getting at with Trossard. So don't get me wrong. Yes, getting the future superstar who perhaps is ends up, I don't know, being better than Saka and Martinelli, like maybe one day if that's, you know, if that's the potential we're looking at, like fine. Obviously that's, that's the superior choice, but, I don't think that's absolutely what we're looking for here. What, what, like another Smith Rowe would be good here, you know? And so it's not like, it's not a squad signing. It's not Cedric. It's not El Nenny, although El Nenny, I think, has proved like value for money over his contract. But it's not, uh, we, we just want someone in case there are two other people injured. This is a guy that can contribute, that can, you know, that if he starts, you don't bat an eyelid. But at the same time, 
shouldn't come to the club with ideas above his station about starting ahead of some of these guys regularly. So like it fits into the overall rotation and yeah, the like, you know, we we've done enough good squad cleaning um, and we're young enough in our attack overall, I think to have a 28 year old who to your point is ready to contribute. Now we signed another guy from Brighton 18 months ago. That's worked pretty well. Um, and and so therefore, you know, you'd think can fit into our system, et cetera, et cetera, can plug a number of roles, which he has done for Brighton um, as well, quite a multifunctional player. So I, I think, it, look, you have to put everything front and centre. Yes, he's 28. So it it's a plan B signing. Of course it is. But in that context, if you ask me now, would you rather do Leandro Trossard or nothing? I'm picking Leandro Trossard every day of the week. And to be honest, that that's slightly underselling it. This is a good player, two-footed, can operate on both sides, can play that, I think, that false nine role. I think there's more evidence he can do that than Smith Rowe. He's done that a few times for Brighton. So I feel like this player's already... I think Brighton's a good club for Arsenal to buy from if you put aside the fact that they're no fools when they're asking for a fee but like tactically that's a very good club for Arsenal to buy from um I think so this to me just makes all kind of sense yeah I mean he he can as you said he can play across the front three he's Premier League experienced I mean 16 matches this season 16 starts he's having his best expected goals season in the Premier League seven goals already this season and and I think three or four assists right let's look uh Seven goals and three, uh, two assists this season. Eight and three last season. Five and five before that. Five and three. Um, you know, certainly respectable in that team and with what he's doing. You said it. We're the youngest team in the league, so we can afford a guy who's right in the heart of his prime. And the thing is, if you said what's missing from our attack, that's it, right? The guy who's really in his prime, who who can come in and play anytime you need to with real experience and preparation. And I I do like what Clive said, that we were tracking him previously. Because it suggests that this isn't, oh crap, we need a signing what's available. It's a little of, oh crap, we need a signing what's available. But it's also, let's go back to players we've, we've had our eye on. You know, players that we've rated in the past. And I, I think that is relevant. Um, Paul... The, there are different things you need to do in the market at different stages of your project. And, you know, I it, it is, it's weird, right? Like, it's a very American sports thing to get the mercenary or the last piece, right? Or the expensive thing you do to win a title. I think I've referenced this before, but the Rams really did that to win their Super Bowl. Now, the Rams did it to a level where they completely mortgaged their, their future. We're not at risk of doing that here. But you see it, in the NBA, you see it in the NFL quite a bit. And like, if everybody wants to praise Todd Bowley for bringing something American about sports to the Premier League because he's tying his players down to 18-year contracts, uh, I recommend you listen to SCAC where they took that down beautifully. But I, I don't I don't mind this innovation. I, I Your ideas about how to build a squad have to be uh, married to the stage of progression that you're at. If we were sitting third right now, 18 points off first and seven points clear of fourth. This may not be the deal we do, but for where we are, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, we need a player urgently. And if we go into the market and try and do another Mudrick, we're going to get screwed by people because they know mm. they can smell the desperation. Yeah. Now, the only thing about negotiating with Brighton is never get in a land war in Asia. Never negotiate with Brighton. <laughs> but the fees we're talking about here, like, it's not my money, but I don't care if they want 26 or 28 and we're at 20. Um, there's a deal there to be done. Well, and I again, the, to, to the point, wages are not going to take this to a, a place financially where it gets out, outrageous until sure. Chelsea come in with the 70 million pound bid and 350 a week. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Bowley's licking his chops here. Yeah. Yeah. And the fees, absolutely manageable, reasonable, leaves us open to doing another player if there were one in the market Mm -hmm. uh, this window. Yeah. Um, I love everything about the Trossard deal. It might be like, 
I guess there's a perfect deal, a perfect player out there. But short of that, I think Trossard's absolutely a dream for what we want. Imagine that guy coming on with 25 minutes to go in a game and you're the opposition. You're like, oh, shit, we're knackered. Um, like we were 2-0 up in our... Yeah. Can I say it slightly differently, Paul? Just because I, I think you got to look at it slightly differently. Saka's in the red or Martinelli's in the red and, and you're going to Everton and you need a starter and you need someone that you know can just at that level. You, you know what I mean? Where I get the 20 minutes, but I, like... I think you can find a spark off the bench. I think what's harder is to find someone you trust to start a game in the Premier League when yeah. when you don't want to push your starters that one match further because you're playing Thursday, Sunday, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. But also the reason Saka's knackered or Martinelli's knackered is you keep playing him for 96 minutes, game in, yeah. game out. Yeah. So you get both. So I'm not I'm not taking away that point. He's absolutely a starter. Um. He's 28, but so bloody well. We could get four years out of him. Um, uh, He's just so good. He can play every position. Um, As Tim may have said or is itching to say, or (laughs) he said in the mentions, he said it beforehand, so I don't don't know. Uh, He's he's very two-footed. He's taken as many shots with either foot in the last, what, season? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Season and a half, equal number of shots off left foot and right foot since the beginning of last season. Yeah. I mean, the ones off his left were terrible, but that's not the point. Um, he, he's put 10 into the car park with his left and seven into the back of the net with his right. He, he's two-footed. He scored an entirely left-footed hat-trick against Liverpool and he's right-footed. So that? Yeah, but he's terrible on his right. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's absolutely perfect for what we need. And we'll get so much use out of him over four years or whatever we get him for. I know you want him for three plus one. But at this amount of money and what's on the what's on the line, who gives a fuck? Give him his four year. Give Brighton their 25, 30 million. He's a great player. Um, he's ready to go. He's a little too mature. So what? I, the only issue for some people might be that is that he got in a, a Barney with his team, but then Brighton will get pissy with anybody who doesn't want to do what they want to do contracts-wise, money-wise, and he's at an age and a, and a wage where you could see why he needs to do something else. So It's not like Mudrick was acting like a, like a gentleman or something. I mean, the guy was showing his whole ass to Arsenal like day in, yeah. day out on social media. So Yeah, that guy wasn't mature enough. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one other thing. Please tell me the one other thing. The interlull will come up. This mm-hmm. guy doesn't seem to be a starter for Belgium at the moment. Um, I'm obsessed by the interlull because I think we're going to win the league. Um, the only thing that'll trip us up is the fecking interlull. Hopefully nobody's going anywhere. Arteta should tell everybody not to go anywhere. We should sign players who won't be playing for anybody in the interlull. Well, think about it this way. Let's say we're in the semifinal of the Europa League. And we really don't want to be there because we're staring down the barrel of a title. And the front three for the first leg of the semifinal with a big Premier League fixture at the weekend is Smith Rowe, Trissard, and Kedia. You're going to win that semifinal. You're not going to play Saka Martinelli or Jesus, right? I mean, it it just it makes it so much more comfortable. Um, and, and the thing is like, let's say he starts to, let's do the age curve thing. Let's say instead of really going down the cliff at 31, 32, he starts to go down at 29, a a less good Trossard at 29 on 80 K a week. Isn't killing you. It just isn't, it isn't killing you. He starts the odd champions league group stage game against the bottom dollars. He plays the domestic cups. He has a cup, you know, a, a, a couple of nice little remontadas in the league got with 10 minute cameos or the FA cup. And it's fine. It's fine. I just don't see how you get into trouble with this. Like the way I look at it is the downside of it is he stinks. He didn't cost much and it doesn't hurt you much. The upside of it is he's premier league ready. He gives you the minutes in that front three that you need to go on and push it on to win the league. And it can be because we know Mikel's not going to play three academy kids up front in the in the Europa League quarterfinals. He's not going to do that. So so these this gives you options. Um and if you think back to last season, right? 
when we came un- unstuck. It-, it was the one extra missing player, right? The one extra piece we didn't have that costs you. This could be the piece that 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 lets us do what we need to do. So I I like it. I don't want to go too much farther on it, Clive, because I mean we'll do uh, a scouting video, obviously, probably tomorrow, uh, and we will do uh, you know another podcast when it's announced uh, in two hours. But. <laughs> Any other rumors catching eye? Because I, I mean, like there are a couple others that have a little, little stank on it, little smoke where there's fire, or fire where there's smoke. I don't know. But Musa Diaby comes to mind. I think there's some expensive ones out in the ether. The funny thing is, nothing sounds expensive in the wake of the Mudrick deal. Um, are are any of the other rumors just as a quick roundup? Blowing your hair back, he says, looking yeah. at you into the camera and smirking. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, um, I did a little tweet yesterday of about. Eight. Imagine making fun of anyone when you look like I look. Anyway, yeah. go. Go ahead. I did a little tweet yesterday <laughs> about eight players who I think we could be looking at. Uh, what I was going to look at, and trust me, I wasn't one of them. I didn't think that was something we would look at. Actually, I thought, mm. particularly with the way that he's exiting Brighton, but I think it was something that happened at training where he's felt humiliated and, and sometimes things happen behind closed doors. So, hey, look, Arsenal will do their due diligence. They know the player. They know it's quite easy to find out about him. He's not unknown to to the league. So that'll be an easy one for us to follow up with. Um, the RB1, he looks interesting. Um, he's a small sprinter, um, very much like... Um, Saka in some way, but a bit more direct. Big banging shots from the edge of the area. Left and right, creates goals, got very good goals and assist record in Germany. So he looks interesting, but it's always a big number around him. You know, so um, let's see what happens. But what we do next, because we've got our six now, but we can debate if Smith Rowe is going to be a bit more of a, a midfield player in the end. But we've got our six fours once they're all fit. And that's what, that's what I wanted to get to. You know, I wanted to get to the situation, but I will... Say this again, football changes, mate, in April, and it really changes, and the pressure hits you, and what you want is a bit of certainty, and I was looking at his video earlier on today, and every shot, he's not kicking a case off the ball, he's just stroking the ball in, you know what I mean by that, when you're tense, you you whack it, and it ends up hitting the peanut man in the North Bank, that's what happens, and it's just... He's got that real calmness. He doesn't take the the first shot. He kicks through legs. He puts six people down. He's really calm. And I know, for all the fact that we're all hoping we're going to get what we get, that none of us feel super calm in April if we're top of the league. We want someone who is, who will be. And I think that value of a of a man that's done a few laps, I think that value is very smart to acquire. I think he could be a tremendous asset when we go back to the negotiating tables in the summer. Because one of the problems we have now is back to the desperation thing. Everybody thinks we're desperate for the player we're about to buy. So when we go and do the next Rafinha, the next Mudrick, the next whatever, if it's quite clear that we have decent numbers in most positions and that we have Leandro Trossard who can play left wing, right wing, 10 false nine, the level of desperation for us to make a bid for a Mudrick at whatever ridiculous number the next guy comes at us with. From our side, we can have a steadier hand. From the other side of the table, they don't have us by the the ghoulies because we actually have a good option, whether he's a starter, whether he's a backup. I think he'll be a bit of both. I think He's he's not coming. He's had good appearances for other teams in terms of numbers of games over seasons. He's got a pretty good injury record, which is what we need. He's ready to go. I just think he strengthens our hand when we go into negotiations. And a little diversity of age can be a good thing as we go forward. You don't want everybody uh, hitting peak at, at the exact same moment. Um, I think if there's a little overpay on something that's 20, 25 million, we'll make it up when we come to sit down with Mudrick part three, Rafinha part four, and we come into those negotiations. Yeah. So it, it is interesting when you start to think about value in building a squad. We, we could sign Trossard and Tielemans and go get one 
young player that's under the radar that we like in a position of need for the future and spend less than we spent would have spent on Mudrick. <laughs> like, or you could buy Tielemans and Trissard this window. Keep powder dry for the summer. Buy an 80 million player. And again, come out roughly where you would have just buying Mudrick, Clive. Like, I... I know that I like it can seem like rationalization after the fact. I hope anyone that sort of well, no one follows me on Twitter, you block me there. But anyone who like listened to our scouting video, like if you want to watch one scouting video to put help you sleep at night, watch our Lidstrom and Mudrick scouting video on the Patreon and see the conclusion we came out with. Like the guy's got talent, but saying he's a sure thing is absolutely not the case. And like I just think we're going a much smarter direction for where we are, Clive. Yeah, I just wanted to, you mentioned earlier about targets. I, I agree with you on Madrid, by the way. And I, I, I really wanted that player. I was invested. But mm-hmm. it's not about what I want. It's about what happens in, in the deal, right? So, um, But you're talking about the squad now. And if we were to get a, um, a Trossard, and there is talk of Cedric going on to Fulham, and there's a young right-back at, uh, I think he's real value of the deed, I think he is. He says that, mm-hmm. mumbling that out. <laughs> Um, called Ivan Fresneda, who's 18. Yep. And suddenly you're taking out a 30, 31-year-old right-back squad player, bringing in somebody which is much more suited to the style, six-foot right-back that plays inside. You know, So we have an inverted right-back from the, the right side, like we do on the left side, so we can balance things out, maybe play a Tom a Tomiyasu left left back sometimes and, and invert from the other side. It adds variation mm-hmm. and specificity. The age of the, of the squad is just where it was, if not a little bit younger, right? So mm-hmm. as Tim said earlier, we've earned the right to do this. We can't we can't go into the month of April, bless him, looking at Marquinhos and Nelson and wondering if they can do it. Right, that 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 won't work for us. The conversation and the podcast we don't want is the one on February the first saying, "What the hell have we? Why have we done nothing? Why have we thrown away this chance?" And because I explained it last January, but I damn well can't explain it this January because the room is there, the money is there, the position is there, and the ambition has changed in the squad. So I, I'm really, really hopeful this goes ahead. It's interesting, Clive, because right, like what I would have said last January is we need to be doing deals that position us to compete for a title in three seasons. That's kind of what I thought, right? We're on the up. Maybe we can make top four this season, but don't ruin this. We're doing a nice job. Think back. It's one summer ago, not last summer, but summer before. We had finished eighth. We had a load of old aging crap, and we started the rebuild. Just a season later, we are the title favorites in January. And that's not where any of us expected to be, but it has to update what you think the squad needs. And and this is how you have to start to think about it. It's March. <clears throat> it's April. You have to play uh, Reese Nelson, or you have to play Marquinhos in a key moment. Or you can play Leandro Trissard in that moment. That's the, it's not whether Trissard is a star. It's what is the delta between Trissard or who it would be if it wasn't him? What is the delta between Marquinhos and Trissard? And to me, that's a gulf that we need to cross and we would cross with this signing. I'm talking a lot with my hands. If you're watching the video, there's a lot of hand gestures going on to make this point uh, as emphatic as possible. Tim, do you want to find, oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Paul, quick Uh, thought. Okay, I'll keep it short. Leander Trossard Sorry, is a great player. This I is think not, so. yeah, he's not much of a compromise here, and he's the perfect solution to the problem we have right now. Six months, and then a guy will be happy to be part of a successful squad. Like this is his dream, and he's a perfect fit for us. Well done, keeping that short. Tim has joined us, so we're going to bring him into the podcast now. Um, Tim, free swim, uh, wrapping up any of the rumors, any of the thoughts we've, we've expressed on squad building and the Trissard thing before we pivot back to the actual football. Maybe just touch on a game that'll be played maybe by the time you've already listened to this, which is City Spurs, and then we'll talk United. Go go for it, Tim. Yeah, sure. No, I, I don't really have a, a, a lot to add to all of that, um, to be quite Helpful. honest with you. But um, ju- I, look, just a few things like we've put in the ch- I've put in the chat. But, uh, you know, to Paul's point about like, um, the negotiation factor. I mean, with Douglas Louise in the summer, we didn't stretch to it. 
um, with Mudrick. We haven't stretched to it. And so I think there is a value because in that because with Ramsdale and White, for example, we we kind of ceded to the selling club's demands. Um, and I do think that, you know, just from a pure negotiation standpoint, there is some value in saying no. Sometimes City do it and they've got all the money in the world, like on Kukurea, who um, mm-hmm. is crap anyway. They kind of went, nope, Chelsea, you can have him kind of thing. So... Um, and, and also just on the, the character side, I mean, yeah, first of all, he's 28. He's coming to Arsenal, which is a step up from Brighton. So you'd hope that, A, I mean, he wouldn't really be inclined to be a problem because not 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 only do not not only do like players not always get this big move, but they don't always get it at 28 either. So what are we going to have, like 30, 31-year-old Leandro Trossard kicking up a fuss for what? For who? Like, mm. and if he is, then he's been a massive success. Um, and yep. also, we've got Ben White there as well, who who obviously was a teammate of his, um, and can give us some intel on that. Anyway, I think that's a really, really good point. All right, Tim, I'll stay with you. Um, in the interest interest of fairness, <laughs> Manchester City play their bogey side today. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. The problem is that, and I I think you know this, but Tottenham Hotspur is shit. And they get battered everywhere they go. Mm. So it, it is a challenge. I, Except City. <laughs> yeah, well, that's reason. funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and it's always brilliant, too, because it's City 3.92 XG to Spurs 0.01, <laughs> and it's like Spurs 2-1. Um, I don't have the slightest, tiniest, littlest problem openly rooting for Tottenham Hotspur here. <laughs> Not even the tiniest problem because... Nothing would hurt them more than us winning the title. Mm-hmm. There is no pain they will suffer greater than that. And they must be shitting themselves. Imagine being a Spurs fan. I mean, imagine it would just be the worst. Like, I get to be fair, you'd have a tattoo of the Audi Cup, and that that's kind of cool. But like, <laughs> imagine being a Spurs fan knowing we're playing Manchester City tonight, and I have to root for us to lose because if we win, we might be helping Arsenal win the title. Like they are in the bad place. I'm curious how you will be watching, or if not watching, rooting, or if not rooting, hoping <laughs> outcome wise uh, in, in this game for for what might happen. Yeah, it reminds me of um, a few years ago when I think the Guardian asked me to do this thing about uh, would I would I accept losing the Europa League final if it meant Spurs losing the Champions League final? And I said yes, yeah. yes, yes, I would absolutely. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's that's the bad place. That's the place mm-hmm. you don't want to be in. And I was thinking about it on Sunday, and and obviously, look, I don't want to gloat before time because I'm still not sure um, if we'll win the title. You know, April's going to April and the beginning of May look really difficult. Blah blah blah. But I was kind of stood there looking at the Tottenham fans, thinking, imagine. Imagine if after six years of finishing ahead of us, all the time you waited for that, the time we finish ahead of you, we finish ahead of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. You're killing me, yeah. um, But, but anyway, um, but yeah, so like the open bit, I don't know. Well, I don't know whether I'll look like put up a tweet saying like coys or anything like oh, that. Oh yeah, I'm not going to like change my my abby to a cockerel like uh for the game or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Yet. I might buy a chicken and delicately balance it on a basketball. How <laughs> But like yeah, like I I'm going to be sitting watching the game and I am absolutely yeah, yeah, 100 for, for all of the re- like cuz I I get it. I get like the whole like oh, I couldn't possibly root for but but it's like you say. I mean you you kind of can you don't have like you don't have to put up an act you can particularly when a it benefits us so much and b that always has the fringe benefit of annoying Tottenham as well so like like a hundred percent like if City lose and then we go and win on Sunday and those are two very big ifs like I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because it could easily go the other way around. Um, you know, that's that's another giant stride. Why would you not want that? I think, you know, I mean, you'd at that have point, you're more like, worried about Newcastle, right? I mean, yeah. I, not to get like cavalier about it because we still play City twice, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, of course you want that. So, like, you know, no one's saying you have to sit there in a Spurs scarf or anything, but of course all of us want that. And and I don't really see the sense in like putting up this kind of act of, oh, no, I'll never do that because it's just like, come on, like, 
if let's, if this were the last game of the season, if yeah. this was the last game of the season, and we had a one point, you know, of course you'd be doing it. So like, yeah, it, it, and I've it, seen that at Highbury the last day of the ninety eight ninety nine season. I was there, and the chant "Come on, New Spurs" went up at Highbury. <laughs> Man, that is amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and of course, being Tottenham, they went one nil up and then lost. <laughs> which I'm I'm convinced I'm sure they know, were punching the air yeah, yeah I was going to say like I'm convinced they took a lot of perverse pleasure out of that and you know what fair enough because I probably would in their situation oh my god if Arsenal had won a game in that situation I would I would never forgive them so yeah exactly let's do this I, I don't think we need to go into this game in any more detail unless anybody has a raise your hand if you've got a pressing need to say something on City Spurs because if you do by the way like, no problem. But I, I think we've covered it. I get it. It's an unpleasant position to be in, but we're in it because we could win the title. And that is not an unpleasant position to be in. Um, you know what is a, an unpleasant position to be in? An unpleasant position to be in is opening a cabinet in your... Oh, for God's sake. Paul, what's an unpleasant position to be in? <laughs> if that's you, not what it's about, we're moving on. You you provoked me. Um Look, I, I just want to say on the Spurs game, I'm currently yeah. on your suggestion changing my uh, AVI on Twitter to a Spurs cockerel, and I'm proud of it. No, that that's good. I think that's a smart thing to do because, in general, I think uh, you have a good feel for how to get people to like you on social media. So I can that, read uh, the room. You definitely. So, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, you are a room-reading master. Okay, good job. All right, good yeah. job by you. Thanks for that contribution. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is a position you don't want to be in is opening the cabinet in your kitchen where you keep all those gummy vitamins and realizing you've been stuffing crap into your body that doesn't do any good for you when instead, when instead you could be stuffing your body full of athletic greens. AG1. What is it? It's 75. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, right? Whole force, whole food sourced superfoods. Athletic Greens is doing everything for me except helping my tongue move in concert with my brain. Um, energy, vitality, anti-aging, gut health. It's all the things. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I love, um, I love AG1. And I think Athletic Greens as a company is great. They're philanthropic. They they do things the right way. But the AG1 product itself, like it tastes great. It's easy to take. You put it in a cup of water. I got rid of all the gummy stuff that I was paying for. It's a lot less expensive than all that. It's less than the cost of a price, uh, a cup, an expensive cup of coffee every day. It's uh, paleo, keto, vegan, dairy free, right? So you can take it. You know, whatever lifestyle you're you're living. If you're living my lifestyle, which is um, I'm trying a new diet, which is the maximum carb diet. It's how many carbs can you put in your body in a day. Um, so I start with a heavy bowl of uh, spaghetti and meatballs in the morning. I eat two chocolate chip cookies between meals. Then I have a nice big sandwich on a ciabatta uh, for lunch. And then I have a pizza for dinner. Uh, and so it's it's working with my lifestyle. <laughs> that was elf, uh, anyway. wasn't it? You're elf. <laughs> but, but it's keeping me alive, so it must be working. Um, you're you're going to love this thing. I mean, honestly, just get rid of all the gummies. This, this is, if you want energy, if you want um, gut health, that, that was the thing for me that I needed. It is, um, it's just beautifully balanced to give you all the things you need. Look, it, it's a comprehensive solution. And if that's what you need from your supplement routine, AG1 from Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. When I went to London, brought it with me so I could stay on my regiment. With your first purchase, go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. Okay, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out. It says I have to read that verbatim, which is why I started over. Got to do exactly what uh, my my sponsors tell me. And of course, this this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is online therapy, but it's real therapy. That that's that's the key. It's real therapy with a real therapist. You can match with someone that's a specialist in the area you need. I think that's key also because sometimes, you know, where you live, there may be a therapist, but they may not be a specialist in the type of work you need to do. It's convenient, it's flexible, it's affordable, it's entirely online. You can go camera on, you can go camera off, right? What this is, is accessibility to therapy, accessibility to mental health, which is something that like in general, for whatever reason, we, we have just not prioritized. Like you don't need to tell someone you should go to the doctor for a checkup. You don't need to tell someone you should go work out for your body. You don't need to tell someone you should eat better. If you want more uh, info on the all-carb diet, please let me know. But like for some reason, 
We just don't treat mental health and therapy as a standard part of being a healthy human being and, and having gone through the process and like loving it. I cannot express enough that I think it should be. So what do you need to know about BetterHelp? What is the verbatim thing that I have to read? Well, let me just read it. Why don't I just read you the verbatim thing? Um, so, all right, where, where were we with this? Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm off the map. I'm off. Oh yeah. Better help. That's it. <laughs> So well, it's going so these, you know, these yeah, sponsors, I was they just are, they are so, I was just yeah. going to add the great thing about you is you've had every problem, every ailment, every disfigurement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're yep. just like perfect for the sponsors. You can, yeah, I mean, I can products. use all everyone that sponsors us. I need what they do, like clearly need it. So it, it all works out. Uh, you should have seen me before Manscaped. Oof, man, I was like a Wookiee. Um, anyway, so, so here's, here's what uh, BetterHelp wants you to know. Okay. Uh, if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today. You get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash vision. Do it now. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. <laughs> now, the, I feel like we went on a journey there. Did we go on a yeah. journey? It was a bit of a journey. I feel uh, like. We still got some <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know, you know. The real ones are with us. The real ones stay with us. Um, okay, Clive. Manchester United. Yes, let's um, go. I had the egg timer set for their title challenge, and it didn't even get to go off before that was over. They dropped points to Patty Vieira. Patty Vieira's Crystal Palace. Casemiro gets his booking so he doesn't have to play against Arsenal's midfield. Um, they, they were getting up there. They were getting on a little run. Gary Neville said, you know, I think Arsenal finished behind Manchester United. Could still happen. Doesn't feel likely. They come to Fortress Emirates into the slaughterhouse without Casemiro. Not that Casemiro is like going to be the difference. I, I tweeted, we need a yellow card for Casemiro on Wednesday. And a lot of people tweet back, we don't need it. All right, fair enough. We didn't need it. I just meant it'd be nice. Um, ultimately, we know what they're going to do. They're going to counterattack and they have a good player in Rashford for doing that. But aside from that, I, I think... I think we're well positioned for this game, but hubris comes before the fall. Pride comes before the fall. How are you? How do you see this game? And and are you as buoyed or buoyed your choice by the uh, by the absence of one Casemiro for this game? No, I, I don't want to focus on that because if you wish bad things on people, then bad things happen to you. So well, it's I looked like at a, how, a broken leg, a yellow card. Yeah. Is, you know, I mean, if the guy got a yellow card. Like, come on, yeah. he's going to be all right. He's uh, going to earn his his million pounds, and he's going to play the next game. Come on, man. Should have been a red, by the way, but let's not go there. So, um, yeah. yep, yep. So I, he, he I did not want to play. <laughs> yeah, I watched the game last night, and because um, I because I do, you know, we spent it tonight, right? Growing up with them being the enemy, and. When they when they refine the size of their badge, they're a force. You know, they don't respect Arsenal. That's absolutely clear. They do not respect Arsenal, and all their fans don't respect Arsenal. They don't rate Arsenal, and they're beating Arsenal. So why should they? Right. So the fact that we were robbed on that day and we dominated the patches of the game, we got overexcited because we saw a victory ahead of us, and we just played like a teenager, and we haven't done since. Compared the first half against Spurs, the control we showed when we had them. We had them down. We didn't. We didn't run around like a puppy dog. We killed them slowly, right? And that's that's what you have to do. So I watched Manchester United last night, and they they're not smooth in possession. They don't move the ball through the phases, but they do transition very, very well. And they wait for transition. And I call it Venus flytrap football. They pull you in, and they want to spring on you. But you know they've got better sprinters than, than say Spurs have shall we say, you know, so they've got one guy, it's Rashford, it's all about Rashford, right, he runs into that left-hand channel, it's all about him, the connection between Rashford, Fernandez, and Ericsson, that's what you've got to worry about, so you've got to get around them, you've got to control the ball, they're very, Ericsson and Fernandez are very cute in finding the little half spaces, turn around and fly forward, that's the only thing I fear about them, but they don't keep it, they don't keep it long enough, so I think we can control the game, I think we will control the game, and it's all about what we do in the final third and how we break through them. And on occasions, they almost play like a 4-2-4 and they, they keep people high hoping to catch us. But I think, in a strange way, control is something that we all want because we all feel better when we are controlling the game. But sometimes it'll be good to let them get excited and take it off them, you know, and, and then go into them. I think that's the way to take them, almost like counter-press them, you know, rather than press them. They, they won't press us. They'll let us come in 
they won't press us, but we can counter press them. I think that would be interesting. So the fullbacks on the well, they probably play on the weekend. I always look at those areas first. Ashore and Wambasaka, and they're very very good in one on ones, particularly on the outside. So I would definitely be inverted on them big time, sprinting inside and really going at the heart of their team. And so the player that I'm looking at really for a big performance, strangely, is obviously Odegaard. We all expect that. But I'm looking at Granite Xhaka in this game. You know, they're quite a tall, big team. They're quite physical in those areas. But Tomlin will play. I think Granite Xhaka's got a big role. We all know the rest of the people are going to do the business. So, yeah, my Tomlin. Yeah, yeah, but he's a he's a big thug, right? Just runs (laughs) around. He's so bad at football. Runs around getting sympathy from referees. You know, oh sorry, mate, I got there quick as I could. Job. You know, we've seen loads of those players, and I don't like it. But so that's why I'm with it. I'm 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 worried about the game in it because I think if we do if we do beat them. It's it's really it's really promising, isn't it? It really is promising, you know. And so, but if we don't, long as it's long as we don't lose, I'll be happy because I wanted four from six from Spurs to be no, a main night, no, So I'll be happy. No, no, Clive, let love in. Stop protecting yourself, mate. Tim, we got to straighten Clive out here. Um, it's only three points for me. It has to be, you know. Um, Mikel, all he has to do is blow up the headline of. VAR and officials admit they got it wrong at Old Trafford, put that up in the dressing room and say, we owe them for this. Um, they're our one loss. They're our, they're our reason we're not invincible. And uh, we need to teach them a lesson. The biggest danger, McTominay hurting someone. Need to avoid that, obviously. Um, guy cleans tendons out of his cleats after matches. And I'll admit, tr- this is going to sound silly because the guy is an absolute clown, but Anthony worries me a little bit because I do think that that's the space we kind of vacate where you could potentially cause a problem. And he's very fast. He's very fast and he's very, you know, very aggressive in the way he runs at you. And, and so th- that's just the thing that I think you got to, you know, you got to keep an eye on, right? Um, uh-huh. I also think not to get a little too provocative here, it's time for Gabriel Martinelli to to maybe just go up that 10% that I think has been missing since the World Cup. Um, he's going to face another really good defensive right back, and it does feel like every week he's got the harder of the matchups in terms of who he's facing, right? Um, you know, you got Zach over there roasting clowns for, for fullbacks, and then, you know, Martinelli's got to face guys that are really good defensively, like Awan Bissaka, but... That that's how I see it. Keep keep Anthony from running into the space in that left wing, and maybe just the extra ten percent from Martinelli to to set us on our way. He owes them one after the goal that was disallowed. How do you how do you see this matchup? Yeah, I mean, you look back at all the goals United scored against us in September. They all kind of come in from behind the fullbacks, right? Yeah. Um, that first Anthony goal, Zinchenko doesn't quite get there. They hit us on the break um, in behind Ben White, actually. Um, but, you know, you, I think your point about Martinelli, because most teams kind of invert their right backs a little bit or pull their right backs in and push their left backs up, that's, you know, that that's why Martinelli um, tends to get the better defender because that's that's what happens in most in most teams, that the, the more defensive of the fullbacks tends to play right back. Um, and I think on in this scenario as well, like if I were, you know, thinking about if I were a United fan and I'm looking at this and our most dangerous player is Rashford and I'm looking at Ben White and, you know, Ben White's locked up a lot of very, very good players um, so far this season. Spurs, if you, I, I mean, I know I haven't had a chance to look at the rewatch you guys did, but Spurs tried to hit that space in behind Ben White again like in the mm-hmm. f- twice in the first 10 minutes the, the exact space where they got change out of Cedric and Rob Holding but they didn't get ch- any change out of Ben White um on this occasion and I know like I know Son isn't playing as well um as he has been this season but I I think that's largely tactical I think that's largely because Spurs aren't really playing on the counter attack anymore but you know he locked him up um absolutely no problem so their biggest threat is coming down our defensive side as well, where our our better defender is, um, but but absolutely, like in terms of usually, I'd kind of dismiss the whole like well, not dismiss like from a 
not from a fan's perspective, but from a player's perspective, usually I'd think, well, I don't think players think like that. But actually listening to the players this season, it does sound like they've been thinking thinking like that, thinking about how they owe team one, teams one, thinking about how like, oh, last season we weren't that good here or the last time we played here we had a painful defeat. Let's go and put that right type thing. So, I, you know, listen, anything you can use for fumes or motivation, go for it. I, I mm. think that this is, this is like a... United are in many ways probably the opposition I maybe fear the most at the mm. moment. I, d- I don't think fear is the right word, but like we saw it in September, they're probably best set up to expose some of our some of our weaknesses. Um, that's what I'd say at this stage. So, and and look, they're playing well. They have been. They've been, they've been playing really well. They've been getting results. So th- this is going to be a really, really tough game. Tougher than the game we had in April against them, where you know they they looked uh, they looked like they were kind of signed out with their manager. So it's it's going to be a really interesting test um, against a good team who who are well set up. I think possibly better than any team in the league to exploit our weaknesses, and we're probably going to need Ben White to have a day like he did at Selhurst Park in August, for example, where they tried to throw Zaha at him and he just wasn't having it. Um, I, I still can't believe that people didn't think he was brilliant that night. Like, I'm sorry, you people don't understand football and that's the end of it. Um, but, <laughs> <Super>. but, <laughs> but, you know, so like how we defend their wide players and yeah, and then how we expose um, some of their weaknesses as well because they're not perfect either. And Casemiro being out, when we've got Erdegaard in that position, I'm absolutely certain he'd have been standing on Erdegaard's toes um, all game and disrupting the supply to him. McTominay probably isn't going to do that as much. He's going to try and smash his ankles. Um, his is a more reactive style. So we'll, we'll see. They might how go, it they might go Fred, Tim, you know, because Fred and Mark. I think they'll uh, go with yeah. both. KDB, didn't they? They tend they, to come as a pair. Hmm. Interesting what happens. Pre- Pre Casemiro, they very much came as a pair um, yeah. in these big games. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, and look, given the position we're in, a draw isn't a terrible result no, here. Obviously, no. I want happening? to win, look. and oh, Jesus. but but it isn't. Gross. But it isn't like we're Gross. we're we're eight points clear. Like, and you know, playing one of listen, like they're the second biggest rival to our spot at the moment, right? Yeah. That's what the table shows you. And if it's a draw. Like that's that's nothing to cry about. No, I mean, like I won't, I won't, you know, ask for Arteta to be sacked. I think he should be given a little more time to prove that he can right the ship if we draw United. Um, but like, no, obviously, like I, I'm somewhat kidding, but I think this is a game you have to be looking at as three points and nothing else. They're coming to our place. We've we've got that really really good energy going on around the Emirates. We have the week of rest. They had to play in midweek. They got their hearts broken. Um, by a brilliant Elise goal that I still have no idea why he doesn't celebrate. Like I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like celebrate the hell out of that. What are you doing? Um, it, you know, yeah, it's Clive. It sounds like you have a, you have a thought. Well, I just going to say there's an interview with Elise out there and he's a very quiet guy, very quietly spoken, quite introverted and, um, very talented mind. And there's lots of Arsenal fans would like to see him in our club. You know, maybe that was a deal we should have done with Reading. There was a release clause there, and Crystal Palace was smart enough to to trigger it. So, yeah, bright player, one to watch. Technically beautiful, beautiful player. Yeah. Um, one thing United did to us in the first game, Paul, and, and, and I want to be clear, I think the Casemiro loss is a huge one because he has somewhat changed that midfield dynamic for them. He really has. Um, and, and I think it's allowed Ten Hag to play more the way he wants them to play. I don't know if they can without him, but one thing they did... Uh, in the first game, Paul, is they 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 used the offside rule to their advantage. They positioned a forward offside, like so. Let's say Rashford. Okay, they played it into the space behind the fullbacks to like an Anthony running on. Rashford then just has to stay behind the play in the second phase, and it's a really difficult thing to solve if you're a defender, right? Because you're you're Saliba and you're Gabriel, and you're White making a three or just the two. Rashford standing offside. You know you're not going to catch him, but you don't need to. The ball goes over the top in the space that Anthony can run onto. Now you're chasing Rashford, who's onside in the second phase. That was a thing they did to us, and and we kind of got caught with it 
in that first game. I'm wondering if you think we'll see similar sort of like creative positioning with Rashford to try to to try to take advantage of of the way we set our defensive line. And like for me, the whole ball of wax here is still don't let him play the first pass, right? Don't don't let Erickson drop into space. Don't let like yep. Bruno Fernandez in that first game, he was dropping super deep and hitting it first time. And and we weren't getting up on him quick enough. And he was finding those openings. So that yeah. that was how they unlocked his first time. Do you think we'll see a similar approach this time? Well, I think that's exactly right. Uh the way I see this tactical battle, like uh, they've just played City, so they think they're well suited to playing a team like us. They have a very strong pressing scheme when they mm. press, but we're a different proposition because City likes to build from the back and we don't care about building from the back. If it's there to be done, we'll do it. But we're more than happy to launch the ball into the attacking third and keep the pressure on, which goes to the second point of... Uh, their clever use of offside and and uh, vulnerabilities against a back line. Well, that's all about pressure. If we keep the pressure on the ball, as you alluded to, like the first goal isn't really about Anthony. It's about Ericsson having too much time on the ball and finding Bruno Fernandez wandering around midfield unmarked. And like, what's going to be the difference between the two games? Well, A, we're a lot better now a lot tighter, a lot more, a lot smarter about the transitions, which is something we had to learn. But we're going to have Thomas Party on Sunday, all things being equal. And that's a whole, like, Ericsson has too much time on the ball when Albert Sambi Lakanga pushes up on him. It was like one of the the first game or one of the first games Mm. uh, Sambi was asked to do that. You know, he kind of runs up to the guy, but doesn't exactly, like... Party either goes or he doesn't go. He's going to get pressure on Ericsson or he's going to stay in midfield and cover the spaces. And we just got done on the counter. And, you know, Thomas Party is a whole other uh, factor and how he links with our centre backs and Ben White uh, to cover those counters. Uh, the second goal is it the second goal they got in the. The last United game was off the throw-in, and that was another one where yes. we just had mm-hmm. poor pressure, poor focus. The third one was, was I think, uh, Sambi wandering over to the left touchline, passing forward, losing the ball, and then not covering back to the middle. It was all about pressure on the ball and and positioning against the counter. They're going to have a whole different problem to the one they had against City. There won't be anybody to press in our defensive third because we're going to launch it into the attacking third, press them up there, keep the pressure in midfield, keep the back line pushed up. And yeah, they'll get one or two runs at us, but the price they're going to pay is we're going to put an inordinate amount of pressure on them in the attacking third. I think we're going to have a very good day. I think it'll probably end up being very close, um, but I think we'll come away from it deserved winners. Yeah, I think people forget something too. We really outplayed them. Yep. Like, think back to the game, right? We fell behind. We dominated them. So we scored the opening goal brilliantly. VAR rules it out. We're later told that was wrong. We dominate them. They get a goal. We fight back to 1-1. And at 1-1, every Arsenal fan and every United fan would have told you that's our game. Maybe lost our heads a little bit at 1-1 because they score six minutes later. And I'm going to tell you something about that, that goal they got to take the lead. Gabriel has to play the ball. I think it's another passive offside situation, right? He knows Rashford's there, so he plays it over his head. And he couldn't get more unlucky. He kicks the ball, and it falls right into the path of Anthony. Right into his path. We just saw United get a huge call against City with the passive offside rule. They manipulate the passive offside rule. It's part of their strategy for how they get their counterattacks. It's just something we're going to have to figure out. I don't think the rule is always applied properly. It certainly wasn't against City. But Clive... All right, last 15 minutes or so against United, I think we could have taken a heavy defeat because maybe we we were going to try to, to get back in that game and, and leaving space. But up until it was 2-1, we were really the better team by a lot. And I, at 1-1, I, I think we just lost our heads a little. And that's at Old Trafford. So assuming you avoid the referee debacle, I I, I do think that from a a tactical standpoint, like this is, this is a game we're going to have a lot of edge. And I 
I still don't trust the United back line. I mean, I, I know De Gea can go full octopus on you from time to time, but like, I just don't trust their defense to hold out if we get the kind of deep possession we've had in games lately. It's, it's going to be about combination play. I think Tim's point about, well, I think someone made a point about Odegaard with no Casemiro. I think Odegaard's very important to this. And I've just been watching the game, actually, the Old Trafford game, and the quality of our combination play was stunning. It really was. And we deserve more from what we got, you know, a lot more. And I think it was at a time when we weren't sure about ourselves. And if anything, there, sometimes you can get beat and actually you can be more reassured about yourself. And, and to be fair to Gary Neville, that's what he said. I wasn't sure about Arsenal right after this game. But he said, after this game, I'm really sure about them. You know, I'm sure they're actually where they need to be. And and so I, I got a lot from this game. I, I felt it's unlucky. And it's a, it's a ground where we have been previously unlucky. We don't get much there, right? And the, the this goal was just criminal. But our combination player, it's just key that we have this. And when I look at Arsenal, I look down from 30,000 feet, I look at us, and I can see what we're trying to do. And I know we have the the right intelligence and the right technical level to execute what we need to do. The only worry has been energy. That's the only way. We're not big, so we need to be sharp. We need to be quick, so we create separation. If we're tired, we don't do that. If we don't have energy, we can't maintain our pressure in the top end of the pitch. They're not, they're not super at the back. You know, Varane's okay. Martinez is a decent ball progressor. So's Luke Shaw. Juan Masaka doesn't want it, right? So he's going to stand there looking redundant. And so they're not going to play through us. And so that's key. But it's very key, and we've learned this. When we are in control, like we were at OT after we equalized, to not forget our jobs. Don't forget our basics. Don't forget we have to manage people on restarts. Don't forget we need to get around people. Don't disrespect who they are. They, they get their heads up and turn around. They've got a very quick runner in behind. I think Saliba on the day is really strange on the day. I felt we were very high at centre-back for no reason. No pressure. We didn't drop off. We were high. We stayed high too long. Again, it's all about being excited. We wanted to take and We thought we could. We knew we were better. We end up chilling ourselves, right? So, um, and I think lots of people blamed Arteta with the substitutions. Maybe it's a collective thing. We were just excited about what we were trying to do and what we were about to do. And so if we get our combinations going, I think we have a different level of poise. And um, we spoke about it the week on the weekend in the rewatch. I love how we look around the ball, how we move around the ball, how we how we look on the pitch. We look like we believe a little bit more. We look like we belong here a little bit more. We're not plucky, we're not a plucky team exceeding expectations. Both what you see with your eye and what you see with the numbers, everything's pointing to we are here by right. So now we just have to continue. And when I first came onto this podcast, I used to talk a lot about um, being the employer of choice was my phrase. Remember that? It was my sort of mission statement. I've got a new mission statement now, which is every three days. Everything we do has got to be about building a team to win every three days and being comfortable winning every three days. So the Trossard signing is about every three days. We've got to make changes. we still got the same level of intelligence and quality and composure in the last third. And that's what we've got to do now. And this is what brings an elite mentality. And so although I, I'm worried about this game because I've been brought up in Manchester United beating us, mm-hmm. I, although I'm worried about this game, Crikey, this is this is the sort of game that Arteta will be talking about saying, if you want to be a league, if you want to be a Champions League team, you've got to go from Spurs to Man United to Man City. You've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with yeah. it. Sometimes that will be three in a week. Right? So that's my new mantra, really. As far down as United have been for many years, hilariously, beating United is still a headline maker. The world notices when you beat United. It hasn't been as hard recently, but they still take notice, and you still have to earn it. I'm in a WhatsApp group with some guys who just brought up where United was the old enemy. They'll always be the old enemy. It's the team they hate most. It's the team they fear most. It's the team they want to beat most. Um, yeah, I I think this is a situation where you go get three points here, and the position we put ourselves in at that point is really, really strong. And, and it, it, it's always helpful. I think, I think city playing before us now is helpful. I don't know if it would have been helpful earlier in the season when 
you know, they go a point ahead of us and we've got to get back to the top. But now, like, you can go into the game. I felt this way with the Derby. The worst thing that could have happened in the Derby is we lose and we don't lose any points in the in the title race. The best thing is we stretch, right? And I think that that it, psychologically is a better position to be in. You know, if City win, you say, all right, you go draw United. Or even if you lose to United, you still get a nice gap. You beat them, you have a huge gap, right? If they lose to Spurs, it's everything to gain and nothing to lose. So I, I think the psychological edge is there for us. I think having Thomas Party is a big advantage. I think them not having Casemiro is a disadvantage. Them having to play in midweek, obviously, a disadvantage. It certainly sets up to be advantage Arsenal, not to mention we're the better team. But that's why the match is played on grass and not in podcasts. So we'll just see what happens. We'll have a Trissard scouting video on Patreon. We'll have an instant reaction after the game. Um, and then we'll we'll close the podcast and be done for the season. Kidding. Just keep going on forever. Forever. All the football's happening all the time. It's never ending. Still one of the best sketch comedy pieces. I don't know. I just love it. Anyway, Tim's on Twitter. So better. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Uh, Tim's on Twitter. Still, still my leader. <laughs> thanks, Tim. <laughs> my pleasure as always. <laughs> I gave it large at the beginning of the pod and look, it came back to bite me in the ass. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Knew it wouldn't be the last time. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Maybe I'll just start saying Tim's not on Twitter at Stilberto, right? Because then, then I've, I've done, I can't, you know, I kind of I kind of win both ways. All right. Uh, big match on Sunday. If you're uh, planning to watch the scum this evening, I'm not saying openly root for them, but you'd be forgiven if you did. Paul's obviously going to be wearing a shirt. And I'm already the getting and, grief out there on the Twitters for my AVI. Man does not know confused. how to read the room. You yeah. may have to start saying block him on Twitter. Anyway, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We love you. And for the love of God, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. United News. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.